The Drug Intelligence Bulletin is an accumulation of the latest drug news. At the end of every little segment, I'll do a little analysis on what it really means to our followers. In this session, we're going to talk about online mentions of metonidazine, which is a growing uh, drug problem here in the United States. We're going to talk about a new drug hitting the market called NN dimethylpenalone. We'll talk about drug overdoses involving fentanyl over the past year. We'll talk about 40 people that were hospitalized for severe bleeding after taking a synthetic drug. And I've mentioned this before, so we'll go over it again. We're going to talk about vaping and how it's linked to erectile dysfunction. We'll talk about drug networks on social media. And then we'll end it with the DEA annual report that shows certain drug trends. Welcome to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves, a police officer who spent 28 years specialising in drug investigations and who regularly teaches law enforcement officers, private businesses and concerned families on spotting and dealing with drug use. This podcast is the essential resource for both professionals and individuals who need practical help, advice and insight. Now, here's your host, Keith Graves. Okay, let's start off by talking about the online mentions of metonidazine. So metonidazine is an opiate related to etonidazine, which was first reported in 1957, and it's been shown to have approximately 100 times the potency of morphine. A trend in discussion on Reddit surrounding the drug metonidazine peaked in the fall of 2020 with a more recent trend of consistent mentions in 2021. The fall 2020 discussion trend preceded an outbreak of the drug and toxicology reports and its temporary classification as a Schedule One controlled substance. You can read the entire study. I put the link inside the show notes. So what does this mean for law enforcement officers and those of you working in the drug testing arena? Metonidazine is a growing problem. Uh, it's been appearing more and more over the past year in toxicology reports and lab submissions. I don't expect most law enforcement officers to come across it, but some will nonetheless. More than likely, it'll be during an overdose or driving under the influence case, and the officer's just going to be stymied when the toxicology results come back. People using this drug are going to have similar signs and symptoms of use as other opiates like fentanyl, heroin, Dilaudid, Oxy, any of those other uh, common opiates. For the drug testing industry professionals, you're going to see more employees using drugs like this as they try to pass urine and other toxicology tests to maintain their employment. This is another reason that collectors should go through some kind of impairment training like drug abuse recognition. Uh, the employee is going to show signs of intoxication that are going to be observable to you, and that might help you lead down a road of questioning that can help you uh, during the drug testing process. I want to let everybody know that I'm doing a four-hour online training. We're going to issue certificates coming up in January. We're going to do an online training on fentanyl safety investigation and decontamination. We'll talk about the history of fentanyl. We will talk about how people get exposed to fentanyl. We will talk about the differences between street fentanyl and pharmaceutical fentanyl. We'll talk about uh, PPE that you need for possession cases, street sales, and bulk quantity and lab cases. We'll break down what you need to have for safety for each type of drug incident you're going to be involved in. We'll talk about how to decontaminate yourself if you are exposed to fentanyl. We'll talk about the signs of an overdose. And we'll learn how to investigate these cases safely. So whether you're a patrol officer, a narcotics detective, you work in small street cases, you work in large cases. If you're a first responder and you might deal with fentanyl on scene, you work in corrections, 
or anybody else that might deal with fentanyl or people that use fentanyl, this class is for you. Like I said, it's four hours long. Uh, you can register for this online training. I'll put a link in the show notes so that way you can attend. And if you miss it, I'll have that class online at onlinedrugtraining.com and you'd be able to access it anytime you want. And you can look at it from your patrol car if you want while you're driving around. Hey, I hope to see you there. There's some uh, new synthetic drugs that hit the market. One of the ones that we're going to talk about first is NN dimethylpenolone. Dimethylpenolone is a synthetic stimulant, much like cathinone. Um, substituted cathinones are modified based on the structure of cathinone, which is an alkaloid found in the cot plant. You find the cot plant mostly um, on the Arabian Peninsula, so right around uh, you know Yemen, Egypt, uh, those areas. And those of you that have been deployed in the military in those areas know exactly what I'm talking about. It's structurally similar compounds include N-ethylpenolone, penolone, utilone. Um, I've written about all those in the Drug Intelligence Bulletin before. Uh, N-ethylpenolone and penolone are Schedule One substances in the United States, while utilone can be considered an isomer of penolone. Uh, the one that we're talking about today, dimethylpenolone, is not explicitly scheduled in the United States. However, this drug can be considered a scheduled substance being an isomer of N-ethylpenolone. But dimethylpenolone is an important one for law enforcement. More people are going to use it. People are under the influence of it are going to look much like other people under the influence of stimulants like methamphetamine or cocaine. So they're going to have dilated pupils, fast pulse, and so on. Uh, people in the drug testing community, you're going to have to worry about this because people are going to use it to get around drug testing. Uh, not all the people are testing this in the drug testing sphere. So it's a drug that they can use to get high and not get caught on a drug screen. What helps the people that do drug testing is to go through some kind of drug abuse recognition training. So that way you can identify that they're high when they come in for a urine test. And it helps you when you start questioning them. It'll help you lead you down the road of what you should be testing for. Next up, we're going to talk about the trends and characteristics of drug overdose deaths involving illicitly manufactured fentanyls. And this is for the years 2019 and 2020, which is the most recent data available. A study published in this week's MMWR examined trends in drug overdose deaths involving illicitly manufactured fentanyl in the United States from 2019 to 2020. The report showed that during 2019 to 2020, illicitly manufactured fentanyl, or IMF, overdose deaths increased sharply in Midwestern, Southern, and Western jurisdictions. During 2020, approximately 40% of fentanyl deaths also involved stimulants, and 56% of those that died had no pulse when first responders arrived. Injection drug use was reported in 25% of the deaths, and non-injection routes of drug use was in 27% of the deaths. So what does this mean for our Leo family out there? our law enforcement officers. Expect meth production to increase and the resulting harms to increase with it. The cartels are ramping up production of methamphetamine and the price point is the cheapest I've ever seen in my career. This mix will cause more meth on the streets and more deaths resulting from those harms. I'll continue to beat the drum about China pumping synthetic drugs into the US. Chinese drug manufacturers receive tax incentives from the Chinese government to make drugs like fentanyl and fentanyl analogs. And then Chinese manufacturers are going to ship them directly to Mexican cartels like the Sinaloa cartel. So the only way to stop this is through sanctions to entice both governments to stop taking part in the narco trade. And that's not going to happen. So 
China's going to keep pumping out fentanyl. The cartels are going to keep finishing the manufacturing process and shipping to the United States. And our consumers are going to continue to keep using these drugs. Look, it's a continuation of something that's called a gray war. A gray war is not strictly a shooting war. All right, It's not a kinetic war where we're shooting each other. But it's not peace either. A gray war, think of it, uh, the most common one that you're used to would be like cyber attacks, right? Shutting down the oil pipeline on the East Coast, you know, stuff like that. But part of that, that gray war is China pumping all sorts of fentanyl analogs into the cartels. So the cartels can pump them across the United States so our citizens die. It, it ties up resources. It ties up the police. It ties up government. It ties up resources and money, and it keeps us busy so we're not dealing with them. It's something that we should all be paying attention to, and it's something that we should all be concerned about. Next up, uh, from the Florida Poison Control, 40 people were hospitalized for severe bleeding after taking spice, which spice is a slang term for synthetic cannabinoids uh, or synthetic cannabis uh, in Hillsborough County. Uh, the Florida Poison Control issued a warning after patients in Hillsborough County began uncontrollably bleeding after they used a synthetic cannabinoid. Patients presented with significant clinical effects like blood in their urine, spontaneous bleeding from their nose, and easy bruising. And I put a link to the article in the notes. So the analysis of this, right? I previously wrote about rat poison being added to certain drugs to make a stronger high. Specifically, I wrote an article about this happening before. People were adding rat poison to spice. Why are they doing that? I don't know. I know that there's some folklore about people adding rat poison to cocaine because uh, it did something to the bloodstream that made cocaine get into the system a little bit quicker. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's completely stupid. But there is that folklore that's out there and it's been out there for decades. So is somebody seeing that and then putting in rat poison for that reason or is somebody just using some really crappy cut and adding it to their uh, synthetic cannabinoids? I, I don't know. But it's something that is out there and people are talking about and it's something we should pay attention to. But this people having severe bleeding after taking spice or synthetic cannabinoids is not a new thing. It's been going on for a while. And I've got several of those uh, articles talking about that, and I'll put the links into the show notes. Next up, there's a study that shows e-cigarettes or vapes are linked to erectile dysfunction. I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can read that. But essentially, the American Journal of Preventive Medicine put out a study that said 10 to 20% of the people that vaped reported erectile dysfunction. If that doesn't make you stop vaping, I don't know what will. Next up, the DEA did a press release on drug networks and social media. The DEA has uh, revealed a direct link between fentanyl-related overdose deaths and criminal drug networks in Mexico, which would be your cartels. These groups are harnessing social media platforms to bring drugs laced with fentanyl and fake prescription pills into American homes with one click of your smartphone. At the press conference, DEA Administrator Ann Milgram announced the results of a public safety surge that lasted from September until December and the surge targeted criminal drug networks that were harnessing the anonymity and accessibility of social media apps to push fentanyl into American communities. The DEA warned that criminal drug networks in Mexico are mass-producing fentanyl and fentanyl-laced fake prescription pills using chemicals sourced largely from China. It goes back to our 
gray war that I was just talking about. These fake prescription pills are designed to appear identical to legitimate prescriptions like Oxycontin, Percocet, Vicodin, Adderall, Xanax, and other medicines. So our little analysis uh, for all professions. Drugs are sold on the street corner, but for the last eight years, I've been warning parents and cops about drugs being sold on social media and the dark net. Uh, essentially, if uh, you can get on Instagram or Snapchat, you can start buying drugs right now. It's pretty simple. Uh, a, good, a good way to look at it is just put in your area code and then put in something else, some other drug name, like uh, do 925 Valium or uh, 925 Zanies or something like that, You know, whatever your area code is. And you'll see what drugs are out there for you to buy. It's pretty, pretty easy. They're not going to come out and overtly sell them. They're just going to show a picture of a bunch of them and say, look what I got. And then you're going to go ahead and hit them up if, if they know you. Uh, but I've cold called people on that before and have uh, gotten to do deals like that. It's pretty, honestly, it's pretty simple. Uh, but look, the other, the other one is the dark net. A lot of these drugs I was talking about, you can just get on the dark net right now and start ordering them up. It's pretty simple. If you can get a package uh, from Amazon, then you can get these drugs delivered to your house. So what's safer, going to a street corner in Oakland or getting on the dark net or on social media and then ordering it up? And that's why people are, are switching out. Lastly, we're going to talk about uh, DEA report from uh, the National Forensic Laboratory. It's an annual report that shows drug trends. They looked at all the different drugs coming into uh, their, the DEA labs, and basically what they determined was methamphetamine was the most frequently identified drug by the number of reports. Uh, cannabis, coke, heroin, ecstasy reports were decreasing as of 2020, and reports of fentanyl and tramadol increased significantly during that year. Regionally, fentanyl reports decreased in the Northeast, and buprenorphine reports increased in the West. So what does it all mean? Uh, the report about tramadol use increasing is based on two things, in my opinion. Doctors are pushing tramadol more and more in recent years, right? So they're, I, I've had friends that were given it uh, by doctors who said uh, they're claiming it's a non-narcotic, which is uh, BS. It actually is very much like an opioid, um, and you'll get addicted to it just like everybody else would. The second one, though, is an interesting one. Indian exporters have been pushing tramadol into the United States, much like China has been doing with other synthetic drugs. India is poised to surpass China as a key importer of illicit drugs into the U.S. If the U.S. were to go to war with China, Indian, uh, India will slip in and cover the market that the Chinese will be missing out on. So India is the big one to be looking out for. Uh, they are pushing a bunch of tramadol into the United States right now. Uh, their government's having a hard time controlling it. And uh, although we're allies with them, uh, it's something to be looking out for, uh, something that is going to be causing us problems. And I noted earlier about methamphetamine and fentanyl use. Uh, that's going to continue to rise because the cartels are pushing it so hard. And to be honest, methamphetamine is the cheapest I've ever seen it in my career. So it's going to continue being a problem. Anyways, that's all I've got for now. Uh, sign up for the Drug Intelligence Bulletin. You can go to my website, gravesassociates.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, you can make sure you hit subscribe and, uh, and follow our YouTube channel for more information. And then you can get online training at our uh, online training site, online training, or excuse me, online drug training.com. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves. 
We'd love to hear your comments and respond to your questions in future episodes. Visit our accompanying website at www.onlinedrugtraining.com for more information, advice, training and to get in touch. And join us again on the next edition of the Drug Training Podcast. Podcast.